What's up, long players? Welcome to the Long Play Listening Party, the show where we go deep on local music, writing, recording, inspiration, gear, and whatever else sounds good to us. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records. Hey, real quick, a couple things you can do to support the show. Buy our guest artist music on Bandcamp and subscribe to the show on Instagram, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app. Got the whole crew in the house tonight. Nate Holt, Australia's Music, what's going on? What's happening, everyone? The Wizard, Royce Diamond. Hello. And welcome back to our guest this week, Till Willis. Till has a new album out called Morning Day. It is fantastic, as you will soon hear. And we couldn't be happier to have him back again. What's good, Till? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Tell us, uh, introduce us to Morning Day. Uh, well, like a lot of people, this is, uh, I guess my, how I spent my pandemic type record. Um, I had some of these songs ready to go before, um, but then after everything started last spring, I thought, well, I'll jump into making this. The interesting thing is that I, the record I started out to make is not the one that, that came out. Some of these songs I had and I started them, uh, in a way that it just it didn't didn't feel right after a while, and I kind of put things on a shelf, um, and then came back to it later when I have a couple of newer songs and a little different approach to I don't know uh, I guess to comfort myself. The first record was maybe a little angrier and a little more um, aggressive. And just kind of as the pandemic wore on and, and the, the fatigue, it was like, uh, I felt like maybe I needed songs to comfort myself a little bit more um, okay. than just being outwardly angry. And I mean, obviously there's <laughs> lots to be angry about. I mean, we've been through, I mean, good Lord. But uh, yeah, I just found myself needing to comfort myself. And so that's kind of where these a lot of these songs came and some from the original idea where I was able to, to shift them, the perspective on them with a different kind of production. And um, even down to the way I sang some of them where somehow, like I said, I was singing more aggressively and all of a sudden it's like, ah, let's just mellow things out a little bit um, and maybe explore a different kind of emotional quality to, to some of those lyrics. Were you working on, many different songs at a time because there's a, I mean, there's a lot of diversity on the record, but it, the vibe is very cohesive and it, it all feels like it hangs together. Uh, you know, I've always got lots of songs kind of hanging around and I try to pick ones that go well together and then inevitably I end up writing new ones while I'm recording those. But yeah, there was a lot going on. Um, over the last year, the side project I have solo Hawk we decided to write and record and release a single a month. And so that was always going on. And then also I did the, the salvage record that we did small guarantees right. chance right. and I, um, and, and actually two of the songs that made this, this album, uh, I had pitched it being solo Hulk tracks and, uh, my partner I do that with was just kind of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling this as a, as a duo thing. And so I was like, well, I think they're good. And I, I took them back and, and then just started with the, the 
like I said, the approach I was using to produce these, and that kind of was the impetus for that direction that I went with the, the strings and the, the Celesta. And, uh, you know, I was also re-listening to a lot of uh, Tom Petty's Wallflowers um, and watching those, the, the two great documentaries are out about the Laurel Canyon scene of the 60s and the L.A. pop scene then. Mm-hmm. Um, and tried to use a lot, a little of that influence in there too, like with the like the, the string arrangements, the Celesta, that sort of thing. That's funny that you mentioned that because that's I, I did I get didn't get a chance to listen to the whole record yet, so I'm looking forward to that. But the uh, what I did here, um, and I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it, it, it was very like kind of retro vibe. Like I could hear that bit on like uh, you know seventies <laughs> uh, radio or something. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I kept. I don't. I don't want to be reductive. Um, but I, as I was listening, I kept thinking about uh, you. Know, what if Springsteen was rehearsing in the garage next door, you know? Uh, your voice is just... I, don't, I mean this in the best way. You probably get it all the time, but your voice just really reminds me of the boss. Um, and it's not... But it's not... It's it's very much your voice. It's it's not a... Sure, sure. Not a, uh, I'm sure it's not intentional in your part at all. It's just how it comes out, you know? Spots. Uh, this baseline is very kind of a Motown baseline. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. That's um. Once again, just kind of following that, being into to listening to a lot of '60s stuff in this. And um, interestingly enough, uh, there's not an actual bass played on this entire thing. It was all done on baritone. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. So it left a nice bit of room to kind of fatten up the kick drum sound in there. Um, and then just playing it through my twin, I could get that real splashy spring reverb happening. Um, and it just it just felt cool. Um, yeah. I played, all the instruments are me except for the strings. And then there were a couple songs with a buddy of mine um, added electric 12 string to it. Okay. And this was... See that little line right there? <laughs> sure. 
Sure. I mean, I love that stuff. I, I grew up on that stuff. I'm so, and I didn't mean to derail you or anything. No. Uh, no uh, who came up with that, like, uh, line? Like, who wrote those string lines? Did they come up with it or you did? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I I did a lot of all the arrangements. So my mother-in-law awesome. is who's yeah. playing yeah. the violin and viola, and she came in. I would have like little parts. I had started singing over it. And I would go, okay. I was like, I want to do something like this, and I yeah. would just sing like dun 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 dun. Yeah. And then she yeah. interprets that in, and uh, it's kind of layered that in. Classic. And 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 you know, I I've seen I haven't seen you guys play. Um, I mean, it, it's been a long time, but I've seen some clips and stuff online, and, and it's generally like rocking out. Well, <laughs> and that's that's is, with, uh, the, not, with the band. When I'm with the band, Erratic Cowboy, yeah, it's definitely kind of more straight ahead rocking. Yeah. This is a solo album, and and like I said, I just wanted something more kind of comforting. Yeah. And I even yeah. carried that over yeah. to like sometimes when recording, and I'm sure you guys all know this is like you know you you push yourself musically to maybe break out of your comfort zone to, mm -hmm. to do some. With this, I was like, you know what? I don't want to overthink it. I want to play the thing that feels the most natural to me to play right now. Yeah. And so that's that's was an idea that carried through the whole album. No, you feel what I'm saying. Hey, what made me famous or rich? Good for me. And where did you record it? This is all done at my house. Oh my god. You you played most of the stuff, uh, at least the guitars and drums and bass or baritone. Yeah, uh, the only other musician on here is uh, my mother-in-law who's doing the strings and um, I think there's two songs on the record that a, a friend of mine put electric 12 string on. Other than that, it's, it's just me on all this stuff. It just seemed like the thing to do. I mean, wow, man, seeing people, impressive. you guys know. And, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very impressive. impressive. Well, thank you. It's another reason for me to keep it simple. I'm, I'm not a great drummer. I can, I can hold a beat and that's about it. <laughs> keep it simple. Man, it's, hey, whatever you're doing is pretty much right on, like where, what needs to be there, you know? No, well, thank you. Yeah. You guys will find this interesting is, is Gearhead. So my friend who played the 12 string and he masters all my records, he lives in Denver. He built me this awesome uh, microphone for a like, kick drum out of a 10 inch speaker <laughs> that he had and so he sent and he but he went ahead and rigged it up so I could just plug an XL, XLR right in there and uh, oh man that thing 
uh, just brings that kick drum to life and just catches so much low frequency that you run this having to like roll it back the whole time, you know. But there's one more reason for the baritone left it such nice room in there to like have its own space. Yeah. There's a little more of that that round, little round. I love I love a good good kick drum sound. Mm -hmm. To me, there's nothing worse than when it just clicks away. It's like it's talking about Motown again. I mean, yeah. whether it was Pistol Allen or, or Benny Benjamin, I mean, they knew how to have good tone in their drums, man. Like yeah. just. Yeah. Mm. Everything is as it should be Even in the midst of all this frailty We're gonna hear another kind of Motowny bass thing happen in this one too. <laughs> again and again I mean societally Tell us about uh, some of the lyrical themes, or like what what kind of headspace were you in as you were doing lyrics? Well, like the the first song, "Nameless Love," there's um that one I just I had not written a song in, in a little while, and I, I, with all the news and everything, you know, uh, in between. All the Black Lives Matter stuff between the fires in California, uh, between having an authoritarian wannabe dictator asshole in the White House. Like, I sat out and I just like opened my mouth and it's like, you know, tyrannical news comes in waves and it's like that's it's just like every day there's something else just huge. You know, like, good lord, how much more of this? Right. And then I just thought, well, the one thing I want to feel, I want to feel that that nameless love that that you want to feel amongst the other human beings. Like that's, and we're all shut off from that too at the same time. And that's that. And this one is an older tune that, once again, just jump-starting myself writing. I wrote down, I was just wrote down a list of just hypothetical questions. And this song is called, you know, Who's to Say What's Human Best? And I thought, well, if I could use those titles or lines, either as the jumping off point or maybe they lead me in a different direction, this one came out of that. And who's to Say What's Human Best? And uh, I think lyrically, the other bits of it are kind of about my daughter. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of this one. to say what's human best went for better the Celesta yeah play in there that was I found that in an antique store for $30 and like the minute I saw it I'm like I know what that is yeah. Springsteen fan it's on tons of his stuff and then tons of the the 60s pop well, the, records well, the, yeah the, the, the melodic lines that, that you're playing on uh, are great um, and the textures in those lines because I mean that's layered with something else right you're 
No, I mean, it's layering things in there to get those little... I love that, and that's another thing about, like, a lot of 60s records. They were so good at that, you know? Um, my wife actually once got to meet Carol Kay, which was phenomenal. It's huge. Um, but she said uh, Carol's advice to her was never marry anybody in the band. <laughs> yeah, man, there's there's a lot going on, but there's a ton of space. Like that's masterful. You Thank really you. I, I really really try hard at that. Still, this is one where a buddy and I should be electric twelve here. Yeah, this, yeah, this definitely is, sounds is, like the boss. I can't help it when, when my voice goes there, it just goes there. See them going up all around. Still, they want to shoot. And you might have said before, but who, who is singing the harmony? That's all me. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you said you did it, you know, most things, so. You know, I, 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 I feel like you reach a point where you're musically competent enough to, you know, why be scared to try anything? Yeah, it's not something yeah. you play. It sounds great. It sounds awesome. You know, I'm not a drummer, but I'm also not afraid to just get in there and try. I mean... Really well on the on the drums on this record. Thank you, man. Yeah, they sound phenomenal. Thank you. There's the stylophone on that one there. Good old pocket synth. I mean, your uh, your solo discography on Bandcamp is pretty big, and you've done records, you know, where you had a, a bassist and a drummer, you know, and I haven't read the credits on all of them, but the, the question is kind of like, where does this fit in your story or in your progression from album to album to album? I don't, I don't know, man. I think I just... It's a record of my year. I mean, I end up, it's almost a record a year. Um, each one is just kind of where I'm at at the moment. And it's just like you know, the Casa of Blue period. This was, this was my 2020 pandemic record. <laughs> so you kind, of, you kind of find it as you live it, huh? Basically, uh, and it's why I, I know some people hate listening back to their own records. I enjoy it. Not because I'm listening to one, oh my god, I'm amazing, but because it's like looking through a photo album. And I go back and yeah. I remember, oh, this is where that song came from, or this was a, an inside joke we had in the studio that day, or and all these little things that it's like looking through a photo album to listen to to something I've done. And so yeah, it's just a, a record of where I was 
in that moment. Well, and also, I, I, I feel like if, if you, you're not, I mean, some people just record their stuff and move on, and that's great. But like, if you can't listen to your stuff and, and feel, you know, excited for it, like, I, you know, how are other people, how would you feel like other people are supposed to, you know? Exactly, man. So, you know, exactly. so, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no shame at all. And, <laughs> go back and listen, and, and this is a, a great record, man. Like, I would, I want to go back and like, yeah. I um, was talking to somebody the other night, and I was like, it's really about the sense of adventure. I love starting a new record. I love exploring what it could be. What and that? It's just the an adventure that you go on, and and who wants to go on the same adventure all the time? You right. want to try new things and. And, and and get in there and play and just have fun with it. Uh, it's, just, it's what music's supposed to be. It's all about the sense of adventure. Man, I couldn't I couldn't agree more about both the photo album metaphor and the exploration. I identify with both of those things a lot. I mean, I guess I listen to my synth stuff a lot more than my songs with vocals. Uh, and that is kind of to do with how they're how they're made, I guess. Since stuff, I'm very much intending to make music that feels like kind of a functional slot in terms of sure. what what I can work to, you know, or what I can read to, or you know. We're not going to talk about that anyway, but I I dig what you're saying. <laughs> I don't, man. No, I, I, I get that. Yeah. Royce likes these leaves. We should maybe give him a minute to breathe. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, yeah. Why don't you fight your own fight? Houses disappear, children lay down. Your brand of history is written all over town. Criticize for all we gave, marked for the tenderness and lives we saved. And still we dug on, and still we dig in, hoping someday we might have some acknowledgement. Well done, sir. Thank you. Man, this is out. It's come. It, it's it's good. It'll be out by the time this podcast is out. Okay. put me in you know good Hardline. this song is the second single uh, off the record Rose of Sharon all night in the station how does this always happen if we were a fly on the wall while you're recording I mean what would we what would we see what kind of vibe do you like to create when you're 
working on this. Thing. I try to I try to keep my music room up. Probably can't see in the background, but pretty much just ready to start recording at any moment. I got drums and stuff stacked up. There's a kit set up behind me and amps over here. Um, that was something I, I, I learned watching interviews and, and reading stuff by Daniel Lanois, who's one of my all-time favorite producers. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't, I wasn't thinking it, but that makes a lot of sense. Be, be ready to go when the inspiration strikes, and then I tend to like to move fast. Let's not get bogged down. Let's keep it going. If that doesn't work, discard it quickly. Move on to something else. Um, and just as long as it feels adventurous and feels like, hey, this is fun, we're, we're, we're on the river together. Even if it's just me, you know. Um, it, it's like this song started out as way more of like a, a finger pick John Prine style tune. And then I was like, oh, I need something with a little more tempo for the record. And then I was like, well, shit, how would Tom Petty play this? <laughs> and just started that strumming, man. And then it like, oh, took on its own thing. And then the strumming. I, I hear that influence for sure, but it's, um, it's definitely different, man. And, uh, yeah. All the melodic and, and, and kind of... Uh, different lines going on behind vocals and it's this is great do, do y'all know the uh, there's a songwriter Jim White he's kind of an obscure guy had a little bit of success in the 90s but kind of been an underground dude but I was seeing, watching an interview with him and he said that an older musician once told him that if you want to have a hit song then you gotta put some sha-na-na's in there or something. <laughs> and so when I was coming up with the string line here, I was thinking, sha-na-na-na, sha-na-na-na. That's funny. Rain gathers on the rose of Sharon. Summers are on That's a podcast in itself, all the things people do for a hit record, you know? <laughs> yep. Always come that down yeah no kidding with uh with rob call back to the arturo got the shaft episode when we were making that record i think we talked about that what i told him was we need ins and outs meaning we need overdubs you know we need things to come in and then we need things to go away and you gotta you gotta be switching things in and out in different sections of the song because at the time he just wanted to add things, <laughs> and I was like, "No, man, we got to You bring something in, you got to take something out." Well, on that same note, I was just yes. reading. Um, I think it was in Tape Op or something, but they were talking about the importance of having movement in your mix and really working it in to where things aren't just like statically panned here, or there. That let things move and breathe in there and it doesn't matter if something covers something up because that feels natural if you're you've got musicians in a room and that's what people are used to but yeah to have movement in there and so I, I always I try to keep that in mind you flow by when mixing is okay it's okay for this to move over here what uh what do you record into Re reaper 
Um, the guy who masters my stuff, my best friend, uh, John Haruska, he's used Reaper for 20 plus years, like since it came out. And when I was converting over to recording, because I was doing a lot of stuff with just um, hard disk digital recorders. Yeah. He's like, it's it's time, man, upgrade. And you can get Reaper for free, and it's it's a powerful tool that works really well. And because of that, he and I can transfer like whole sessions back and forth. Um, the only problem we run into is since I'm running on a Mac and he's running PC, mm-hmm. you got to make sure that the plugins line up. Otherwise, yeah. he gets something in. It's like plugins not found. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a. I love it. It's a great, great thing. What are you? What what are you? How are you recording your vocals? Flickers and dials. This one, this album, I primarily just used um, uh, the Alesis Groove Tube AM11, which is just Class A FET large diaphragm condenser. It was the first one they started putting out. I know after that, the Groove Tube mics kind of fell off a bit in quality. This first one they put out, and I bought it when it first came, and I loved it. Now you can find them pretty cheap because people think all the groove tube ones are bad. But if you get that first one where it actually says Alesis on one side and groove tube on the other, I think they're really good. So I was just using that for vocals on this one. Are those claps? Yeah. yeah. I'll get out there and just overdub, you know, three, four, whatever. I love that. Move, move in position around the mic in the room. That's definitely that, that throwback 60s sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, get a group of people in the room and clap. Oh, there's, there's something that just, like, I think awakens you as a human being because it's like one of the early instruments we had was just beating our own hands together. Yeah. I remember probably 99% of the songs I write have claps in them. If there's drums in them, there's there's claps. Awesome. Awesome. It's like putting la la la's in a song and encourages people to sing with you. Well, I don't have to know the words, but I can get in It's another thing you do for hit records. <laughs> Man, it's just something I think we all crave as humans. It's like we want that sense of interaction with the entertainers we have. Like we're all one, we're all in this room. It's why music is such a cool, vital thing. Why I'm happy to finally be getting back to playing live shows again. I mean, yeah. I was telling Howie before we got started, just today I had the first rehearsal with some. Um, the two musicians that are going to be playing with me for the, this release show, um, my mother-in-law and then uh, my good friend Bradley McKellop, who plays in the Rose Line and mm-hmm. all kinds of other ones. He, he, just fantastic. And it was just great to bring these songs to life with other people. Yeah, Ben. There's a measurable physiological response that happens in us when a group of bodies move in space together, 
right? And I don't have the link, the reverence handy, or something I read a few months ago, but, like, you can... We're not just making it up or just feeling it or whatever. Like, stuff is happening, good stuff in our bodies when we get together and move in a space. Well, and, and, and contrary to what some people these days tend to think, we are communal animals. Yeah. You know? We need to live together. We want to live together. We what's good for one is good for all type thing. What's bad for one is bad for all. And I know a lot of people want to push a different narrative, but I, I'm sorry. Nature, we are just what nature made us. That we are communal animals. That's a great song. Great kind of curveball. Great spot. Great sequence in the record for it. Thank you. I, I, I try real hard with sequencing. I mean, as y'all know, it's, it's, it's so important. When you got a good sequence, it's like setting up a good live set. You know, and when you're in the middle of performing it or listening back, you know when something's not right. And oh, yeah, it got too yeah. slow there. Or yeah. it's too much of this kind of a song. To me, the best albums, you get on the train at one point and you get off the train at another and you felt like you were on a journey. And you don't recognize that the time passed between the first song and the last. Like, yeah, I like that. I strive for that. I don't know that I always hit it, but I strive for it. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I used to go take forever to write out set list or I'd do it for fun, you know, like try to like just switch things around and see how how it works. And you start getting parts where you're like, oh these three work really well together. And exactly. gotta keep that block for a little bit until <laughs> we get tired of it. Yeah you have your yeah like this, this one's not working well. Yeah. <laughs> People gotta go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Sit there and go, oh man, I saw too many people go into the bathroom and getting another drink yeah. when this song started. So, yeah. Oh, you just plan on that. Like, okay, we'll give people a little rest here. Then. Sure, yeah.
my daughter singing on there. She turns four this weekend. Wow. My my wife was like, you think people could have my wife and my daughter sing backup with me there? She's like, that's I think awesome. People might think that's cheesy. I said, no, it, it makes me smile, so I'm keeping it in there. And then my buddy John, as he was mastering, he goes, dude, that was delightful. <laughs> this little kid voice come out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah. photo album yeah, yeah really that, you know yeah i had to put i had to put her stuff my little pony on, on the mic because she said we needed that but she was probably right it, it, that's the vibe <laughs> Dude, that sounded like it was supposed to sound like that's what yeah it sounded like that was supposed to be there i don't i could i don't know if i could hear anything else do that now. <laughs> so totally this song when I first played it for my wife she was like I, I think that's the most personal song you've ever written everything in this song is 100% autobiographical and um, once again it's just exploring those emotions and and just being okay with saying some things like, it's, it's true that where I played Little League growing up in Mississippi uh, is now there's a private detention center there. Which we all know how horrible the private prison Things like that are that, you know, I was in the first grade and I got paddled for talking. They were still paddling. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't talk. I was a shy, quiet kid who sat in the back of class and hoped nobody called on me. And this kid... I remember who exactly who he was. He was talking to me, and I never responded. And yet, the teacher paddled us both in the hall, made us stand from recess, and then told me I had to go home and write a thousand times I will not talk in class. And my parents were like, "Well, you can stay home from school to do that. We're going down there to talk to the principal." And we're like, "This is just excessive." And then the teacher's assistant came in and said, "He didn't say a word." And it was just those kind of things and I was too shy to speak up for myself I just wouldn't do it you know I was told you to talk back to people and I was okay here I am like, I paddled in the hallway over this and, and the other thing that's really true in this one is that I was as a kid the concept of infinity terrified I would have nights of just laying in bed uh, crying going just with the concept of infinity. If somebody told me, well, the universe is infinite. It just goes on and on. And something about that scared me to my core. And, uh, you know, I must admit, there it still kind of does. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of those kind of feelings I wanted to put into, the, into this song. Off the tailgate and the gravel made sparks. On the way to the Are you nervous about performing this song? No, actually, once I started, I'm nervous about performing any song before I am ready. To present it, and by the time I record it, I'm ready. I'm ready to present it. Um, sometimes I've already played it for my wife, sometimes not. Like in this case, this one felt so personal. 
that I wanted the recording to be done. It's almost like once the recording's done, there's there's a buffer between me and, and what I've put out there. I got you. And then I can be a little more kind of objective about it. Um, and like today, rehearsing this with, with my mother-in-law and with, uh, with Brad, it felt great. Now it feels like it, it empowering to, to talk about those, those kind of things and those little memories and the nostalgia of it. Like, it's like, oh, okay. Because it's, it's all, the collection of all of our experiences makes us who we are, for better or worse. You know? I think one of the best things that's come out in recent years is people pushing the narrative that that um, it's best just to own those things. You know, for better or worse, speak about them. If it was bad, speak about it. If it was good, speak about it. But own it. It's it's yours. You Don't let it define you. Don't let it, you know, bring you down. Uh, I mean, that's all kinds of modern movements from Me Too or whatever. It's like, you know, don't hide from it. Don't be embarrassed by it. It's like, you gotta speak up and just be yourself. It's a huge compliment from your wife to, I mean, and for all the songs you've written, to recognize, you know, that you you push somewhere new with, with that one that we just heard. Was that harmonica in the last song? Yeah. That was the first instrument I learned to play. My dad taught me when I was about three or four. Only instrument he played. bones I, I can't not do, do at least one on the record but again this one like I initially was singing it way more aggressive than I am and then in the spirit of the album I kind of pulled it back and I think that that created a whole other emotional level to it than if I was like yeah And even as you know, as dissonant as that kind of as the the chord and the rhythm part is, 
you chose to play it on acoustic, right? Where you could have fuzzed that out and like pushed it probably outside what this album is. Sure. Uh, and maybe you'll do that live or something. And that'll be fun. But to make it fit with the album, that really works to, to put the dissonant chord on the acoustic guitar, put a solo over it, pull the vocals back, and all of a sudden it fits. Well, because I wanted that dissonant chord to really be known, and I feel like if I had fuzzed that out, it would have gotten lost. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you get too much dis- fuzz and distortion in there, and things become squishy. Yeah. <laughs> And you don't get that definition. Do you think you'd take any of these songs to Erratic Cowboy? Oh, uh, at some point, probably. Yeah. Um, just because I'll want to play them and be like, oh, yeah, man, this, yeah. is, this I was, one is pretty rocking. That's my next question. It's like, you probably want to maybe uh, play them in a, uh, like a full band, you know? Yeah. Sometimes my, uh, my my bass player Eric, he's always like, "Oh man, he's like, shouldn't given us that song." <laughs> this song here, "Graves for Dogs," when I first played it to my songwriting buddy and solo hawk, so I got a new song and I played it for him. That may be the saddest song I've ever heard. I think that's a <laughs> But it was a true story. We had to put an old dog to sleep and brought him home and buried him in the backyard. And, you know, there's just something incredibly sad about that. <laughs> uh, yes, for sure. The lyrics to the song occurred to me. We had to do that not too long ago, actually. Sorry, man. Uh, this is also uh, sort of a uh, really young vibe. Hmm. I can see that. Especially with the harmonica. You know, most of my performing in my life has been solo. And when I was six years old, I discovered Bob Dylan. And and then my mom was a huge Neil Young fan, so I grew up all that. I love it. Uh, it was in my dad teaching me to play harmonica very young. It was just natural to grab a rack and go out and play that way. I mean, that's probably the most natural I feel is just playing that way. That was just acoustic uh, singing and harmonica, right? Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. 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 What's going on with your drum sound here? How did you do this? This one is just a floor tom and a snare, with a, a very loose snare. Um, uh, really just with a single overhead mic. And um, then a little added reverb to kind of back it up even more, kind of have more of a velvet undergroundy type thing happening. Because the song itself didn't need anything too upfront and pulsing, but I kind of wanted it there for the atmosphere that it brought. Among the trees. 
That's a great choice. Kind of a uh, Mimi Parker from Love sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Totally. It's just that I feel too much concrete and steel breathing up my back. And I want to be among the trees I wanna be What's that uh, instrument? Is that just a guitar? Um, I Yep, pick very softly with just my fingers Will you tell us, we're not really hearing a whole lot of it now, but um, I wanted to ask earlier, will you tell us about your baritone guitar? Yeah, I, it's just a, um, uh, it's a Squire Bass 6, um, when they did that vintage reissue Squire. Yeah, thing. yeah. I love the look of it. I love it, like, giving more options. And so I bought one of those, took off the bass strings, um, and hoped I could just put baritone strings right on it, which was not the case. And turns out, because the headstock is that much longer, you gotta have special ones that'll go. But I found a guy online who's a bass six enthusiast, so he makes strings that'll go that length in just about any gauge you want. So like Calumon strings. And I was just like, alrighty, well, I can go ahead and buy a few sets for when I break these. Oh, totally. Custom strings, that's incredible. Yep. Not custom, I guess, bespoke. Yeah. Oh, Among the trees. Sorry for talking over it. That's a great little tune. Great no. little tune. No. Yeah. Read somewhere when the buried us. Yeah, that was a nice sequence, man. That was, uh... Thank you. It's kind of a nice... This, and this is the last song to let you know, let people know. Um, it's a good one. I, I didn't mean to hear it, but... I knew this was supposed to be the last song. I was, like, was going to ask you that. It's got to end the album. It's a, I think it's a very kind of... Up song to kind of end uh, to end the whole thing. Yeah. A credit to Roland. You see the the happy family in the background. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many times. Are you bringing uh, most of the instrumentation that you used throughout back then? We're gonna hear some. Yep. Uh, some some Asian viola. <laughs> yeah, a little jazz celeste in there. I don't get the strings on this one, but oh, okay. But it's got a vibe uh, that reflects it, even though they're not there. I try to love my time here and feed my family, feed my family. Child of a chain, a 
sound like it at all, but it just has that we are the world kind of feel yeah. to me. Like everybody can sing along. Kind of anthemic. Yeah, anthemic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's big, it's a celebration. Somewhere it's reminiscent of something I can't, I, I can't think of, of who it is or what it is right now. But. Know that we perfect. Seen. That was a perfect way yeah. to end that record. Yeah, it was. And then you almost, ah, oh, man, the, the end is so good because you almost, you almost undercut it, right? Because you're talking about being buried. It's like, whoa, 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 are we gonna, are we gonna take a dark turn here? And then we're seeds. that was great so that line which the lyric i sing is read somewhere when they buried us they didn't know that we were seeds i know exactly where i read that it's a leonard cohen line he's like when they buried us they didn't know that we were seeds and goes on to talk about how you know we will come back and and you know and I was like, man, that's great. And it was just in a, a little poem of his. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. It's like, how do I put that in a song without just totally plagiarizing? Biting it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you found it. You found the perfect spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, well done. Morning day. Thank Morning you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh man, a lot, a lot. Yeah, very productive during your COVID year. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> Couldn't play shows, you know. It's just me and the family hanging out. And I can't sit still without making music. So hmm. there's already a few things in the works for future releases. Yeah, what what do you have going on? I guess um, like tell us. So, uh, um, there is a there's a potentially an erratic cowboy EP to be finished up. When I was recording my last erratic cowboy album, Dirt Flowers, we recorded a second album at the same time. Okay. And so that one is completely ready to go. Um, I was going to release it in 2020. Um, the Dirt Flowers came out in 2019. In 2020, we'll put out the next one. And then, uh, you know, we all know what happened there. And it just didn't make sense. <laughs> well, yeah. And so that's in the can. Um, there's a, an unreleased Solo Hawk EP that um, we need to finish mixing. And we have a brand new Solo Hawk album that'll be coming out in uh august end of august it'll be our second full length and actually on okay. vinyl so oh nice oh, nice looking forward cool. to getting that out my second yeah full length yeah. vinyl record to, to put out there is is this record well i'm sorry what's the name of this record again morning day morning day is this going to be on vinyl can i get this on vinyl no i just i didn't have the didn't have the funds to do I that so digital and cds all i got this time I got around you. but yeah we had had the Solo Hawk record pressed before the pandemic hit. Okay. And my partner, Steve, that I have that with, he was like, you know, oh, should we should we just put it out there? And I was like, no, dude, let's just sit on it. 
till we can play shows again and actually have a proper release show and and do it right. Otherwise, uh, you it's know, I want to just don't want to flout it to flounder out there because yeah. you know you put so much into getting a vinyl record out. It's you don't know it ain't it ain't cheap. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, you know, but yeah, it'll be out in uh in August. This is this is just digital and and CD this time around for Morning Day. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like there might not be a whole lot of chances before you head to Colorado. So it might be in the fall in Lawrence. Yeah, I'll be getting I'll be getting some shows booked around the area, starting in October and and, and moving forward there. Cool. Okay. I'm gonna do a little uh, for for Morning Day. The the plan is that to do a live stream um, with maybe a few people in attendance and it's kind of a hybrid gig. Okay. And that'll, that'll be fun, but that'll be my last gig in the area and then head off to Colorado to play shows all summer out there and be back around this area in October. Gotcha. Get a tip jar on that, that live stream? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll have one up. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to bringing these songs to life with, with you know, other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that'd be nice. Super, super excited about it. Actually, it's just been a good uh, few months then for you. Yeah, it it really should be. Um, Man, the uh, I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day, and he's like, "I don't know that I'm ever going to know how to talk and behave around people in person again." (laughs) I feel like we get together now, and like everybody's so pent up that everybody just like talks fast and kind of loud, and it's it's like this struggle. The good thing is everybody feels that way. So now's the time to like kind of show your ass a little bit. <laughs> I, I, t- I told him, man, I was like, well, you know, it's it's kind of like sex. If you haven't had me a while, it might be over real fast when you get back into it. But eventually you'll find your groove again. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, I haven't been in very many like large gatherings or anything like that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and probably have a little bit of anxiety about it, you know. We played, Erratic Cowboy played um, a private outdoor show um, a couple weekends ago. Our first in over a year. And uh, it was great. It was, you know, it was cool that the person has a large outdoor stage and huge fire pit. And people could you know, sit in their cars and watch or be out. And everybody there was vaxxed, um, you know. Uh-huh. But it, yeah, it's still that little sense of anxiety. Like, oh, is this this correct? You know, do I still wear my mask? Do I not wear my mask? You know, how do we interact? <laughs> it's been so long. Um, but it felt good, and it was it was a great way back to it. Uh, it led to a conversation with um, uh, Brad McKellop, and he said, "Man, I, I kind of hope that with." the pandemic that maybe the the stranglehold of only playing in alcohol serving venues is kind of kind of loosening and maybe there'll be all more alternative venues and i was like you know i kind of do too like it, it's yeah. awesome playing outside or great. playing these unique yeah. places that people yeah. have had yeah. to come up with during the pandemic to be safe you know i mean I love playing in a bar i mean it's kind of in my dna but it's not what i want to do all the time 
and yeah. you know, seeing people be creative with where they're they're having their their live music is yeah, awesome, sure. and I hope it continues. You know, my kids always wanted to come see me perform, and that was always a hard thing. It's like I'm not bringing my kid to a bar, totally. you know. No, no. My daughter loves to see me, and she was able to come to this outdoor gig and had her little chair pulled right up to the front of the stage and <laughs> loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I think we need more things like that where, where more kids can come if they want to because it just helps them develop that appreciation of live music and why it's important. Uh, you know, Because you can listen to music and love it and have a, a, a feeling that's indescribable but it's even more indescribable when you have it with a bunch of people all in a room and you're all feeling it right at the same yeah. time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just nothing like it. It's, it's, yeah. I think it's um, the, the nature of being an, yeah. in, an intangible art form. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just exists in the air for that brief moment and it's gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and maybe I, there's, I think, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Royce. I was just going to say, I think even myself, I have a greater appreciation than I did before, just because it was always available every weekend. You know what I mean? You could go see anybody or everybody. And now it's like you don't have it at all. You know, like you don't even have the opportunity to go out and perform, let alone see somebody else. So, Sure. Oh, totally, man. Totally. Maybe there's a, maybe we all have a role to play in that. I mean, not not just the four of us, but um, anybody listening and anyone in any scene all over the world, really, to to hold this kind of event. So, like like Till, what you're talking about with your hybrid event and a few people in the backyard, and you know, maybe that's something we need to be more conscious of doing more often and having more accessible events, accessible in space accessible in time of day you know and uh accessible and online and and think about what we can do to to keep it going ourselves oh totally i've heard from so many musician friends and just people that were concert goers that they really hope that shows start starting earlier they're like there's uh -huh. so many people like i would love to come but i gotta work why does right. the show always have to start at 10 o'clock? <laughs> I like these these 8 o'clock shows where I can come, I can, you know, have a good time, but then I'm back home and I can get up and, and do my do my thing the next day. And, you know, I, I, I agree yeah, with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's a very good if point. you think about it, if you, any of us go I to guess, see I a mean, the house concert, show thing was kind of doing that for, for mostly in the singer-songwriter area. Sure, um, but it'd be cool to expand the genre a little bit too. And, and I mean, there's house shows, there's punk basement stuff and electronic yes. stuff. And let's keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, final thoughts on morning day till Willis, the new record is out. You can pick it up at tillwillis.bandcamp.com or, Till I assume it's on the streaming, the main streaming platforms. Uh yeah, it'll be up on all streaming platforms and um, you know, through my my website, tillwillis.net. 
So pretty much anywhere you want to get it, you can get it. Outstanding. Well, this has been the long play listening party. Thanks, Till. Yeah, thanks again, Till. We'll have to have you back. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you're going to have plenty of other things we can talk about. If you ever feel like it.